Hello and welcome to VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast and we're on episode 53. Thanks if you're watching on YouTube and if you've downloaded on Spotify or iTunes, thanks again. And if you can leave us a review, as I ask every week, that would be uh, that would be superb. We have got some nice stuff on iTunes, I've seen. Thank you very much for those who have left them. Um, I'm Steve Lillis, as I dare say, you know, with me as always, my co-host, John Evans. You okay, John? I am, Steve. Very good. You had a good weekend watching boxing, I guess. Quiet one. Saturday was good, wasn't it? I know, I know we're going to touch on it, but yeah, some uh, explosive stuff on Saturday night. Yeah, it was it was lively, to say the least. Um, I'll tell you, what, a special guest we got this week, if you're watching, you recognise him already. He's making a return <laughs> to Bell to Bell. He's second time on. Mr. McCauley McGowan. How are you, McCauley? Ooh. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Happy to be on talking to you guys. It feels good. Feels good, good to see you. Good to see you. Well, talking about your boxing, we haven't seen you in action, I think, um, last December, the 10-rounder yeah. against Kieran Conway. You know, when will yeah. we see you back? And where are you now in your career as we speak today? Oh, don't ask me. I'm, my head's messed with it. Uh, I'm in a good place and training with Joe, so that's good. But, like, in terms of fighting and stuff, I, I don't know. Uh, you get told you get told these few things and things don't work out and then get to the point where, you know, I'm not I'm going to be honest, I'm not the, the biggest ticket seller myself, so... To get on another show that where you can only have 10 fights and everyone's itching to get on a date, it's chock a block. We're gonna get people on there who can who's gonna make the show a profit, not me who's gonna cover me opponent and then some. And then other promises didn't come through. You just so it, it's been it's it's a tough time, but uh even when motivation's low, we just get in the gym and I, and I keep running and I keep training no matter what. So uh yeah, it's I'm okay. I'm okay. I mean <laughs> You don't sound very confident of when you're going to be out. You are going to box again, I presume, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, flipping out has been sometimes where I thought, you know, is this even worth it? But uh, nah, I, I do. I, I love boxing, and that's my problem. I love it too much. Um, it never leaves me head. And then I'm, I'm filtering on this fine line of just I'm just all in all the time, where it just wrecks me head. Where I'm, I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm falling asleep thinking about it. It's all I think about. And then I think, you know what? What if I didn't have it? I could just have this peace of mind, but then uh, something draws me back to being obsessed with it again. So, no, 100%. I'm here for the long run, baby. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, Michael, you're looking trim there. What, what weight are you going to fight again at? You know, have you thought about it? Will it be light, well, uh, will it light mid or will it be well, or what are you going to do? Uh, in, the, in the near future, it, will, it probably won't be well, but as it comes down, it get, welter is always in my sights. It's just that I'm I'm probably I'm probably near the twelve stone mark now, probably a bit less. So I'm I'm in a, I'm in a good place now. I'm in thirteen stone or something. Yeah. So so I'm in a good shape. It's just <clears throat> I expected to you know come back and have a bit of a a bit not a warm up, but you know a fight where it's in my favour sort of thing. But it doesn't seem to be happening. So it might be a case of me having just to get in shape and then seeing where it ends up. But taking the what right for me sort of thing trying to anyway are you enjoying it down there you've got like um it's like a new breed at joe's isn't it you know it's like i don't want to say out of the old in with a new but it's out of the old in with a new isn't it if you yeah, know yeah I mean, a whole new group of fighters in there at a the minute yeah definitely um obviously like there's old fair natasha callum johnson they're like the older ones marcus morrison's yeah. been in there for years and then there's there's me charlie and then um, 
Crawler, Crawler literally trains us as well, and he's got his lads, you know, James Walcroft, Jake James, got Bobby, we've got Rhiannon. So, Mark yeah. Efron. It, yeah, well, sorry, yeah, for Canal, I nearly forgot. <laughs> yeah, Mark Efron, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's good. It's a good vibe. I think, I think it keeps, I think, I think it helps Joe. I think Joe loves it. Um, something fresh with Joe in it. And yeah. uh, Crawler, Crawler really helps out and stuff. So, it's good. We're all, we're all loving it. Good. Good. Brilliant. Well, you know how this podcast works, Macaulay. We have three minutes to chat about the subject. End of three minutes. John gets a little bit aggressive with his bell, and we have to zip the lip. I'm sure you know that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. When John says yeah. quiet, it's quiet. He's a man who um, you listen to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, John, you've got your timer ready, yeah, your bell ready. ready Everything's ready. ready to go. And we're going to start with one of the topics Macaulay's picked, why boxers leave trainers? Over to you, Macaulay. Right, so as a fighter, I think I've had loads of coaches. Um, I've only had like three that have been in my corner, but uh, I've, I've been with, I've filtered around coaches. And I believe why boxers leave trainers, 98% of the time, 99%, it's always the boxer. In my case, anyway, like you can get inside your own head. I think boxers get inside our own heads and like, I I went pro pretty young, so it, this is from my experience. I've gr- I've I've had to grow through life as well, so my work situation changed. I've got a family, so sometimes it's not as easy to go to certain gyms. You have to go to one in the evening or whatever, and I don't know. I've, it's always the boxer. Like if you decide, do you see something where you think I want to be at that gym? You can get inside your own head to think of why your gym is not good enough for you, and think of all the reasons why you should be at another gym. And you can just you can you can literally find reasons why, and like and now I'm older to 27, I can honestly say like it's pretty much always me why I've left. I've had some amazing trainers, and uh, luckily I fell on my feet and ended up with Joe now. But like in the past, I've, I've shot myself in the foot leaving some of my trainers. But yeah, it, it's pretty hard to leave a trainer as well. Like I, I do come across like I've I've left trainers and I've been a bit like cold out and stuff. But it's cause. I'm so emotionally, I mean, I'm devastated for weeks about leaving them, but sometimes situations and scenarios arise where I think for my family or for my situation, it would be easier for me to go. So, yeah, that, that's in my opinion. Use my opinions where I've heard of situations where people are bitter and the culture's done him over or whatever, but that's never been the case with me. It's always it, been on me pretty much. Yeah, I've heard, you know, I get what you're saying there and respect what you're saying. The time it gets me, I get why fighters leave trainers, before they've kicked on to big things. What does me is when a fighter has been with a trainer for a long, long time, they've had a great relationship, the fighter has one loss, and then it's the trainer's, the trainer is to blame. That's the one that really does wrangle with me. But on the flip side of that, I do see boxing's a selfish sport and a fighter has to do what's best. But that, that's, the, that's the time it does wrangle with me. What's your thoughts, John? Yeah, it, Macaulay, is it almost like um, you're on your own football team, say, a, a manager's lost for dressing room because we have a, a couple of bad performances and a football team can play themselves back into form, can't they? Yeah. They just keep plugging away and doing what they've been doing. Is it almost like that in a, in a boxer's mind? If something's not quite gone right, you start thinking, oh, no, it's, it's not my fault. It can't be my fault. It's the trainer's fault. Is that how it yeah, works? I, or is it, I, is it I, I think, even finer I, than that? Not, not even that, like, you could see another fighter getting success or doing something else, and you think, oh, what they're doing is good. And then you, you can just get inside your own head, I think. It's like, it, it probably has been a bit weak-minded, especially as a young kid. But I don't, I don't, I don't, 
I mean, I can't say much. I, I left my last coach after I lost two fights. But I swear to God, I didn't leave him because I lost two fights. I was kind of like fed up with boxing. <laughs> so I was, yeah. That was a great start to the podcast. And thank you for your insight there, McCauley. Yeah. John, over to you. What what the women need? Yeah, yeah. Um, this super featherweight and lightweight, put them together because the girls seem to jump between them. It's yeah. been like the blue ribbon in women's boxing in, in Britain for a while. And we've had real close nip and tuck fights with... Um, Tasha Jonas, Terry Harper, um, Katie Taylor, Pursoon. And we're always nip and tuck fights. They go the distance. But boxing's about unpredictability. And I think what those divisions have been missing is what we saw on Saturday night with this Alicia Baumgartner. That was the shot in the arm it needed. You know, she came in last week. She went about it right the entire week. She sensed a little bit of uncertainty, should we call it, in Terry Harper, and she jumped on it. She talked the talk. She acted right. She was full of herself. She said what she was going to do. And then when she fought, she had power. And in the women's game at the minute, that power can be a big difference maker. I think she's she's what that division's needed. She puts some life into it, doesn't she? She puts the, she puts the unpredictability of an early finish. You know, she's got that power that can end a fight early. It's not going to go the distance all the time. And I think stuff like that, finishes like she produced on Saturday, that's what women's boxing needs to take it to the next level. And I just thought she was a, a real shot in the arm for, for women's boxing there. Yeah, she was, John. But you know what? But how many girls out there or women out there are there who can do this to the sport and, you know, for the women's game? I still, I've said this before, I still think it's going to be 10 to 15 years before we really see a strong winning women's game. For every performance like that the other night where we see a female boxer who can do damage and take out, uh, um, you know, their opponents with spectacular KOs or stoppages like the other night where, the, where Terry throws on her feet, we have 10 fights for world titles like Hannah Rankin against Maria Lindbergh, who was 44 and, you know, bashed up in a world title by by Savannah Marshall in her previous fight. There's still too many of them to, to, for, to make the performances of um, Alyssa the other night seem above it to me. I, you know, I, I do think they, that's what they've got to get out quickly and stamp out with women's boxing. I, I, sorry, I, I think it's great, mate, women's boxing. It's because, um, you know, with men, we kind of know who's coming over, who might get beat and who might, who might win and who might lose, who might cause an upset and who might not. With women boxing, we don't have a clue. So, no. <laughs> so, so we're still in the early stages of it where we're just like, mm. like we might think, oh, it's a run of the mill, she's going to knock her over and then they come over and do that. So yeah. I think women boxing for the next few years is going to be quite intriguing. And then, you know... Oh. <laughs> Round three... Um... Yeah, Mick Hennessy, this round is Hennessy smashing it. And I just want to say how well he's delivering for Channel 5 for not a lot of money. And whatever money they're giving Mick, they should be finding more money for him to go and find some big-name boxers because the stuff he's delivering on Channel 5 is, is fantastic. Um, you know, the weekend we had River Wilson, Brent, Tyler Denny um, controversy. Shaken Pitters versus Reese Cartwright was an enjoyable fight. In the last year, you know, Eggington, Jakutu, uh, Molina fight with Eggington, and Pitters Richards was a fantastic fight. And then you, who would forget the one 
Dylan Magani against Fonseca, which is one of the best fights seen in a British ring of the last 10 years. And I just think everyone talks around, you know, bit, you know, Frank Warren, Eddie Hearn, the new boxer boys, um, Ben Shalom. And Mick gets very little respect from the boxing public, it seems to me now. And I think that's really wrong because he served his dues. He, you know, he's been in the bit. I'm not saying he hasn't made mistakes with some of the things he's done, but he's had, you know, fighters leave him and unnecessarily, in my opinion. And I know one particularly that really hurt him. And it might be the one you're thinking of. Um, and I just feel he's not getting enough credit for what he's doing on Channel 5. Give him the money, he could make boxing so big for Channel 5. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think uh, at one stage, or maybe not so long ago, I thought another Channel 5 show, another Channel 5 show, but not really looking forward to it. But like, over the last year or so, I've been, I've been buzzing. Like, I'm like, wow, there's going to be some fight. I was watching the Channel 5 show over the Dizone show the other day. It was, it was, I thought this was that, that fight he put on, uh, Tyler Denny and uh, River Wilson Ben. I thought, wow, they both went for it. Just point out, he is, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's all I can say. Like, uh, I haven't really got any controversial things to say about this. I, I just agree. <laughs> no, no, well. it's good, isn't it? But them type of fights, you know, we watch those shows English title and area title, British title eliminator level. They never disappoint, do they? And if nope. Mick seems to realize that and he, he's put, you know, he's giving them a platform. And on top of that, he's got some promising fighters and exciting fighters yeah. like Sam. Sam never has a, a dull round, does he? Let alone a dull fight. And if you can build underneath him with what he's doing, you're onto a winner, really. You're onto crowd pleasers. Yeah, I, I just yeah. really would like Channel 4. Look, obviously not a sports channel even. Find that little bit more money and he could, he could maybe deliver something special for them and, may, and make a genuine star because he's got terrestrial TV. But it's ignored too much what he's doing at Channel 5 in my opinion. I, and I, I feel quite, you know, as if, you know, there's just not, in, there's not enough respect shown for what, he, what he's doing over there. Yeah. yeah. I'm Steve. Round four over to you, McCauley. Quantity over quality. Yeah. So basically, we've got The Zone, we've got BT, we've got Sky, and we've got Fight Zone that we, that we always pay for. I know we have VIP, but to fair for the VIP, and not just because I'm on the channel, it's a free. So we'll leave that there. But we're paying for all this content, all these fights, and I just don't think we're getting enough for our money. Like, who the hell has asked for a Derek Chisora v. But in what's his name? But in thingy rematch, no one's asked for that. Certainly not on pay per view. I'm just thinking. I just feel like we're addicted to boxing. Our need for boxing needs to be filled, and we're being taken advantage of. I'm not being funny, but. I get the prospect shows and BT. I'm not slagging it off. I get the prospect shows, but Steve Wood does prospects and he puts him on a, on a show in the middle of nowhere. If I'm paying a subscription to a channel, I want to see good fights or at least majority of the show good fights, not people being knocked over, knowing who's going to win beforehand. It does my freaking head in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a proper rant. That's a rant on par with your one the other week, John, about the lightweights. John, over to you. <laughs> No, dead, dead right. Quantity, not quality at the minute, isn't it? Pair the shows down, match the kids. Uh, in fact, I was speaking to a, our boss, Steve Wood, about this the other day. It's time to start putting a lot of these lads in together, you know. Yeah. You might see some people on Instagram who are quite happy to live the life of a pro boxer, but now it's time to match, start matching these people. Pack out these shows with good fights at all levels, and, and I think boxing's got a big enough fan base now for it to thrive if you do that. Yeah, um, I 
what, what I think where there's a big problem as well, we've got all these promoters now with TV deals, with Sky, with Channel 5, oh, BT, you know, there's these streaming platforms are called Sky, you know, it, it's, mad, it's mad how many there are. I don't think there's enough good fighters to go round to, to have three, four good fights on each bill. That, that's what I generally believe. There's not enough good enough, good enough fighters to go round. The only channel where we're seeing these sort of fringe British title contenders, you know, really delivering is on Channel 5, what I mentioned earlier. I don't think there's enough good fighters to go round um, because of all, all the TV there is, all the fight promoters there are with TV deals. No, no one wants to fight. The poor... Brad Ray v. Jed Smith on a stream. Why was that not on Sky? Yeah, and he put some other bloke. There's not some other bloke on it. Like, are the people at the top not using the sense? Or I don't understand it. Like, but maybe the promoters are to blame. Like, a fighter thinks, well, I can get the same money if I fight a ten and two kid, or I get the same money fighting a two one one hundred kid. Maybe, maybe that's to blame. I, I don't know. It's, Pissing me off. I'm just, I'm getting bored of it. I'm watching the same shows and I'm thinking, I might as well watch Housewives of Cheshire. Like, <laughs> honestly, honestly. It, it. Over to you, John. One that yeah, was going to be my bugbear, but um, uh, one of my topics, but um, I edged it out and you come up with it. Stop the rematches. Yeah, after after, after fights now, when a, when a champion loses, it's when a British champion loses, it seems like the first question is to the new guy, how does it feel? The second question is, will you be willing to come back over for a rematch? It's almost now as if, if you're going to unseat a British world champion, the first fight declares the title vacant and you've got to beat him again to actually call yourself a world champion and move on with your career. It's ridiculous. Kiko Martinez now should be sat at home, sat with his feet up, watching to see who wins this Isaac Lowe and Lopez final eliminator. In March or April next year, Kiko gets to defend his title at home, which I don't think he's ever done. I can't. I don't think he's ever defended his title at home. No, he's been. Instead, he's, a no. he's in limbo, isn't he? Waiting to see if Kid Galahad, who needs a long time to recover after that, because that was a bad knockout. He's waiting to see if Kid Galahad activates this rematch clause. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, yeah. I'm not. I'm probably an idealist. You two probably are. And I know it's business sense, but it's grinding the sport to a halt. That's all that's happening here. Look at the number of rematches. The sport's got to keep moving. People who've earned the chances need to get the chance. People who've won titles need the opportunity to capitalise on it. And the sport will keep moving. Oh, mate, it, this is a Macaulay-type rant. It absolutely pisses me off, John. And this thing we say, you know, about, you know, you've got to make the right business decisions for year. And I listened to an interview with Eddie on a matchroom yesterday where he was talking Galahad Kiko possible rematch and he was very pushy for the Terry Harper Boom Gardner rematch um, and then you know Matchroom Twitter feed yesterday you know put out a clip of Kiko speaking in Spanish about I'd like to fight Galahad as a champion you know neither of them people that, that lost the other night yes they can come back but they, they, they can't come straight back in world title fights. They, they were cleaned out. I mean, what it reminds me of, you know, when we were all kids, you know, I mean, you're a bit younger than us. You, you might have had a computer, Macaulay. I mean, we, me and John would have played Ludo and Snakes and Ladders by ourselves. And you'd keep fucking playing Snakes and Ladders until you won the game, wouldn't you? You know, or Ludo. <laughs> and this is what it's like. 
with these rematches. Well, we'll keep having a game until you win. I mean, and as you say, I think we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Kiko. Kiko should be sitting at home now, either in conversation for an absolute monster money return with Josh Warrington, where he's going to make enough money that he never has to get out of bed again if he doesn't want to, or watching the Isaac Lowe final eliminator in a few weeks and getting ready for that if it's going to be slammed on him. It's, it's ridiculous, yeah. this situation. And it's the, same, it's the same with Reese Cartwright from the other night. Um, yeah. I didn't think there was any controversy over the stoppage. He didn't moan. Today they put out a press release demanding a rematch. <laughs> I'll ask you about that at the end, Macaulay. Yeah, on, yeah no, no, yeah, yeah. no, no, that's fine. You go, you you take the stage, Steve. Oh well, you you've been all that, so you know I'm getting a bit. You know I'm a bit. You know I'm a bit. I'm a bit I need to be pampered a bit. I need. I'm like one of them footballers that need a bit of love. I'm not getting love tonight from our guest because he's taking over. Anyway, I want to talk Kiko Martinez. Um, talking to Buncey today about you know upsets. Um, British well, Britons have been champions in this country. Obviously, you know one we didn't discuss, but we were talking this country. Joshua, of course, getting knocked out in New York. But I think that was the biggest upset. And someone might correct me, and John might be the man to do that of a British fighter as a champ, losing his title as a champion, a world champion, since Nigel Benn lost to Sugarboy Malinga more than 25 years ago. Before that, Duke McKenzie lost a couple fights. Um, Rafael Deval when he was WBO bantamweight champion and Daniel Jimenez when he was WBO super bantamweight champion. That was around 92 or early 90s anyway. Um, but anyway, back to Kiko. Just what a fighter. And he, what he is, he's like, not, not the way he fights, so they're chalk and cheese the way they fight, but he's like the Spanish Amir Khan. Amir Khan has fought everybody. Been beaten, been stopped, but he's fought everybody around. Who, 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 who he's, he's faced them all, Crawford the lot. You know, been beaten by good, good fighters. And it's the same with this guy, Kiko. I was looking at his record yesterday. Um, he's had 10 losses to eight men. Six of them were world champions, and he lost to one of them twice, Carl Frampton. And the other guys who beat him, Rendell Monroe beat him twice, and one of them was very dodgy, and the very controversial one against uh, Zelfa Barrett. Um, you know, and it, what, what amazed me, even at this stage of his career, when he's been a pro for 17, 18 years, that, he's, you know, he don't get great sparring up in Elche. I know the area of Spain where he, his gym is, and funny Josh Warrington was going to go out there and train with him in August. Um, but because of the COVID, they didn't want to take the risk in case it affected Josh's fight in September. But he trains there in Elche. There's not a lot of sparring. And even last year, him and Justy's training, they got on a plane to London to spend a week sparring with Michael Conlon just to try and help themselves and spend time in Adam Booth's gym. And it just says, you know, what a professional he is at his age that he's still doing this stuff. And... You know, because he's Spanish and it's not a trendy boxing country, he is another one. He's not given the, the you know the respect, the honour that he deserves. If he was a British fighter with his career, we would be absolutely lauding him every week. And I just think boxing just needs to respect him. You know, the guys he like, even the, the loss in South Africa, I'm told was was it on love was was controversial and on love went to win a world title eventually you know just a fantastic career and a fantastic fella um nothing but love for Kiko. i just wanted to yeah. get my Ooh. love out for the night that's why I'm, I'm giving my love out tonight to everybody yeah. share the love share the love and kiko he, he must have gotten that Derek Chisola diet <laughs> <laughs> go on what, what do you reckon what do you think of him macaulay as a fighter oh i think he's great mate 
it's funny, you know, like, what was he? Well, how old is he? 35? Yeah. I, I remember thinking when um, Josh Warrington beat him and Scott Quigg beat him, he was over the hill then. Like, I, I must have just been young and naive thinking. I mean, he weren't even that much older than me now when he got beat off them. And I was giving it, he was over the hill. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. it's great to see. And it, uh, it, it, it's mint. It's mint. Uh, yeah, he must have got tips off Derek of, of what he was eating to start rolling back the years like that. John, you're really close. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I apologise there, McCauley. Um, John, you're really close to Josh Warrington, I know. Has Josh said anything to you about when he fought McCauley, when he fought um, Kiko? Because I remember him saying something about hurting his hand on his head. Yeah, his he head was he that hard. But I, know, I know you're likely to have spoken to Josh about him did. more than anybody. Yeah, he hurt his hand and he did his eardrum, didn't he, against Kiko? But... <laughs> What a guy Kiko is. That power as well. I was talking to someone this weekend. I, was, I thought, is that the upset of a year? Kiko not sparking Galahad like that. And the only one that rivals it is Sander Martin beating Mikey Garcia. Yeah. But then Garcia was, I thought he looked overweight. He yeah. slept, walked through it and he probably took it for granted. This was a, a proper world title fight and he sparked him. I, I, think it's, I think it's the upset of a year. Fantastic performance. I'll tell you what though. What... What a result Scott Quigg doing him in two rounds was. Yeah. yeah. I know, it's all look that, isn't it? But when you look back now, God, Quigg was on fire that night. But, um, yeah, brilliant for Kiko. And I know we're a British fan, British podcast and stuff like that, but you got to be pleased with him, haven't you? got to be ple- The look on his face when he did it was, was a picture, wasn't it? He, he hugged the ref. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he did. I think it was Eddie who said if there was anyone who was going to beat, he'd like, you know, He'd wanted to beat him, you know, beat Galahad. It would have been Kiko. But you know what? That might not be such a bad result for Eddie Hearn now because he might be able to make that Josh Warrington fight. And that's a big, big fight in Leeds. And you, you, that rematch, it, gets, it could get Josh a world title, a world title again if he wins. And, of course, Kiko is going to get a fantastic payday at this, at this stage of his career, which you would never have backed when he was losing, when he lost to... Um, to, to Scott Quigg and certainly not after he was stopped by Gary Russell. So well, there you go. The you're, you're talking about rematch there. Go on, McCauley. We'll go back to that last topic before we finish. What What do you think of all these rematches and calls for rematches? I think if it's a mint fight, put the rematch on. But yeah. if it's not, then it doesn't need to, like, I don't know, like, fucking Joshua B. Usyk, right? Joshua knew he had a rematch. So when, in the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, whenever, when he has to put it on him, he doesn't have to because he thinks, you know what, if I get knocked out now, it won't, it, I won't be able to sell the rematch. So you know what, I'll just coast to victory, come up with this bullshit, and I know I'm getting another payday, and, I'm, and that's the end of it. Whereas if he knew, if Joshua knew, if he got beat off music that night and that was the end of it, he'd have to climb his way back up, he would have one million percent went for it that night, but he didn't. Instead, he stayed behind the jab, happy not really to get caught because he knew it was money in the bank, another rematch, another payday, and it pisses me off. <laughs> so yeah, rematch pissed me off. When the when there's a great fight, the public will call for it. You know what I mean? The public yeah. will go, oh, get like we got social media now, we can call for it like in an instant if the if it's there, it's there. We don't need well, to be told rematch. It's like no one gives a blimmin' damn. Brock's so, yeah, made in a. Split second, didn't it, in the post-fight interviews? But probably yeah, yeah. The Carl rematch Fox, there and then. Carl Fox told me had to say the wrong thing. And I was like, <laughs> rematch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh. So, yeah, we'll call for rematches. <laughs> we don't need promoters putting him in every living contract. Brilliant. Have, I you, ever, what... have you ever 
you, you'll be able to tell this now because it's all been and gone. Have you ever had fights put to you, McCauley, that have had rematch clauses in, even no. at, even at like your level? No, no, not really. No, um, yeah. It, 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 obviously, if if you win a fight, if say like I ain't got a promoter, if you win a fight, you're then signed with that promoter. You know, if you want to win on their show for yeah. the, so they kind of have involvement to do with whatever with your next few fights. So yeah. that's so in like maybe not a direct rematch, it would probably be a rematch somewhere if because yeah. I'm the away fighter. So yeah. Brilliant. Well, I'll tell you what, you've been a brilliant guest, McCauley, as always. I should have you on more often because you're you you offer insight, you're very enlightened, and you're a very infectious fella. And John, Thank thanks you. to you as always. Well, at uh, uh, Christmas, we'll do um the champion of champion show, a couple of champion of champion shows and and we'll get Macaulay on one of those. We will definitely yeah, be the top man. We'll get what's that in the next few weeks. We'll have you on Macaulay. But thank well, you both. Thanks, everyone. And before we go, um, get well soon to a, a good friend of the podcast and here at VIP Boxing who does a lot with us, uh, Enzo Macronelli. Um, spoke to you today and great that you're, 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 you're getting fixed up and you'll hopefully be home pretty soon, mate. Take care, Enzo. And thanks, everyone, for listening and especially you two guests tonight. Thank you. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP Boxing Promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.